0: Hey y'all, it is Pinky from What a Crime to Be Alive, and I just wanted to come through and drop two quick notes before we get started on today's episode. Number one, I would just like to say that Carly and I stand with the citizens of Louisville. We stand with Brianna Taylor. We stand with her family. We stand with her friends. We stand with the countless others that have been disrespected and completely disregarded by the justice system and number two this episode features discussion about rape sexual assault and sexual abuse so we want to make sure our listeners know that ahead of time and um, proceed with caution because some of the content may be a little triggering for you also throughout the episode we referred to these young girls and young women as victims and we just want to reiterate that we know that all victims don't identify as victims they identify as survivors and we respect survivors we stand with survivors as well and we will always support you so that is it for now In a few seconds, the episode will begin, and we hope you enjoy our discussion on the jogger rapist. Thank you. Hey,
1: y'all. Welcome to What
0: a Crime to Be Alive. I'm Carly. And it's the birthday girl, (laughs) Pinky, a.k.a. Audra, a.k.a. The Goat.
1: (laughs) Um, Before we dive into the jogger rapist today, we have a few housekeeping things that Pinky is going to go over.
0: Yes. Yes. So, we announced that we were on Spotify, we've officially made it to Apple as well, um, in addition to Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and where we started off which is SoundCloud. So you should be able to find us on all of those platforms and all of those links will be published in addition to Anchor Anchor.fm slash what a crime pod. But yeah, all of those links will be put in the description of the episode and on our social media.
1: Wow. So that's a lot of places. Um yeah. Shout out to Anchor.
0: Shout out to Anchor.
1: Because they make our life so much easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I guess we can just jump on in. Is that cool with you?
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: All right. So today we're going to talk about the jogger rapist. Uh, His actual name is Richard Troy Gilmore. Richard Troy. He is from Portland, Oregon. Um, And that's where all, I'm pretty sure, all of the rapes occurred. I don't know. We'll get to it. Um, But he was, and I didn't know this, but Pinky did. He was called the jogger rapist because he was always on foot and he wore jogging shorts, and he jogged to and from the victims' houses. I thought it was more of like a, he raped people that were, like, raped women. Jogging. Yeah, that, like, jogged. And so, no, that's not it. Um, so, we're going to start off with the uh, first person that actually came forward, I believe. Yeah. So, in on November 11th, 1979... Danielle Tudor had just gotten home from her shift at Fred Meyer. She had decided to head down to the den to relax and watch some TV while she had the house to herself. Her siblings were gone doing various things that Sunday evening and her her parents had just left to go to visit some friends. Um, As Danielle was relaxing and watching TV, she thought she heard a noise outside, but upon closer examination, she decided it was just the wind. All of a sudden, an unfamiliar man kicked in the garage door that led to the den where Danielle was watching TV. So Danielle and the unfamiliar man exchanged glances as if it were a mistake that he was inside. Danielle's parents kept a landline in their room. Danielle ran up the stairs to her parents' room to use that landline to call the police and the man ran out the door. She told them She told the police that someone had kicked in the door to the den, but had ran out the door. At that point, Danielle noticed that the family dog began to run into the room she was in, as if it was being chased by somebody, so she assumed that the man was coming back up. Mm -hmm. Um, He came back up the stairs, but now he had his face covered with a bandana. At first, he did not have a covering on on his face, Mm -hmm. so she got a pretty decent look at what he... Uh, kind of looked like. Um,
0: Pause real quick. Okay. So, he had his face covered with a bandana. Mm-hmm. And now in 2020, everybody has their face covered all the time. And I realize that some people get paranoid about things like this. Like, mm-hmm. when people walk into the store with a bandana covering their mm-hmm. face, it's kind of associated with, like, gang members and criminals, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's not the case 100% of the time. But mm-hmm. imagine this happening in 2020.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Making a point. <laughs> point.
1: So as this man entered the bedroom, he wielded a long stick and yanked the phone out of the wall. He demanded to know who Danielle was calling, and she said that she was calling her brother, which we know she wasn't. She was actually calling the police, but she didn't want to tell that tell that to him in case he would kill her or hurt her more severely. Right. Um the man hit Danielle in the stomach. And threw her on her parents' bed in an attempt to sexually assault her. However, Danielle happened to be wearing pantyhose and polyester pants, therefore, the man had a very tough time removing her bottoms. Um, he finally got the hose and pants off of Danielle and tried to rape her, but it didn't work. He couldn't penetrate. I
0: remember this dude in a peach sweatshirt trying to get in my drawers, Stupid. like, no.
1: Danielle was set up with a sketch artist who drew a composite sketch that was uncanny to the man who had broken into the Tudor house that evening. Danielle was then given a lineup of eight men, and she had no trouble picking out the man. This man was Richard Troy Gilmore. Richard Troy. There he is, the one and only. So now we go on to December 6, 1986. Um, Rebecca Eden's 13-year-old daughter, Tiffany, was finishing up... Some household chores on a normal Saturday evening. I say Rebecca Eden's daughter because in some of the places that I looked, uh, because she was a minor, she didn't have to disclose her name. Mm. Um, so they they referred to her as Rebecca Eden's daughter. However, uh, she came forward after uh, she was of legal age and um, told her story. And so her name is Tiffany.
0: Can I just say I tried to research this and found like two sites and that was it. And then I hit up Carly, and Carly has six pages of research.
1: If you are not on the FBI, what are you? You know what I mean?
0: You know I'm a Google person. No? I know, but and I,
1: you are, and that's crazy I could to me. Not. Yeah, because you are always it telling me to Google the, stuff.
0: About homegirl at the end, we'll talk about. Mm-hmm,
1: go hmm So she was finishing up some household chores on a normal Saturday evening. She was listening to the radio when all of a sudden the stereo shut off. Tiffany turns around to assess the stereo situation. However, she had no idea that when she turned around, her life would be changed forever. There, standing in her home, was a man holding a blanket over his face and chest. The man rushed towards her. Tiffany tries to fight her way free so she can find help, but the man overpowers her and throws her to the ground. The unknown man at the time assaults Tiffany and flees. A short time later, Rebecca arrives home from her job at a local bank to find police cars outside of her home. In a panic, Rebecca bolted into the house to find her daughter Tiffany sitting among a crime scene. Tiffany had been a victim of a rape. Physically, she was hurt, but mentally and emotionally, this would haunt her for much longer. Forever. Yeah. Shortly after this attack, investigators tie Tiffany Eden's assault to the 1979 assault of Daniel Tudor. With Eden's willingness to testify against Richard Troy Gilmore, Russ Ratto, the prosecutor of this case, asked Danielle if she would be on the bo- on board as well. At first, Danielle had her reservations. She really didn't want to do it. She didn't want to be public with her uh, with her attack. And I and I get it. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, you know, when you're young and it's just it's it's hard. It really is. Uh, After seeing Tiffany Edens on television, Danielle changed her mind and decided to testify against her attacker. Throughout the duration of the trial, Richard Troy Gilmore confesses to sexually assaulting eight other women in the 1970s. However, these assaults were too old to prosecute as they had passed the statute of limitations, which was three years then. Mm -hmm. Now it's six years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Circuit Judge Richard L. Eunice ordered Gilmore to 30 years in prison... With a minimum of fifteen years before parole for the sexual assault. In addition, he sentenced Gilmore to thirty years for the burglary, again with fifteen years at least before he's eligible for parole. However, he was able to serve those at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, really, it was fifteen years before parole, right? Just flat out. But he got charged for two. There were two different charges on his, on his person. However, because it was a law that the parole board had jurisdiction over the sentencing and not so much the judge and jury, the parole board reduced one of his sentences, stating that it was inappropriate and over the top. Yeah. They had scheduled a release date for, Troy, for Richard Troy Gilmore for January of 2008. However, this release date wasn't set in stone as the prosecuting attorneys found a loophole. They said that the victim, Tiffany Edens, was not properly notified in enough time to contest the release. Therefore, Gilmore would require another parole board sentencing. This pushed his release date back until at least July of 2008, which is not a whole lot, you know, from January to July. However, it gave Tiffany enough time to contest his release. Um, June 25th, 2008, just a month before Richard Troy Gilmore was supposed to be released, Tiffany Edens was able to testify in front of the parole board. She begged them to not release her attacker as he is, he was a danger to the community and she is sure that he would rape again. Mm -hmm. Multiple family members also testified at how the assault has thrown Tiffany's life off track.
0: I think this is important right here because a lot of times when, um, rapes happen and acts of violence against women and not just women other vulnerable people that can be other men that can be children whatnot. people always want to focus on the attacker they want to focus on the perpetrator when really I think we should focus more on the victims obviously give them their privacy because they are entitled to it and they should only they should be the only ones to speak on their story mm-hmm. but um they have rights and they matter and um
1: this yeah. just screws up their entire lives.
0: entire lives. So, um, spending a little bit of time on the victims, I feel like that is a um, form of respect, and it just it should change the way we think about things like this. We shouldn't always think about the perpetrator. We shouldn't always think about the person who commits the crime. We should think about how this affects the victims and how the victims, if if they make the choice to how they can play a role in changing policies and changing laws that Mm -hmm. affect the way these people are sentenced. Yeah,
1: I agree. I definitely agree. The psychologists say that there is no question that Richard Troy Gilmore would rape again if he was set free. It's just a matter of when the guards of the prison go as far as to say that if Gilmore got off on parole, he would even kill someone. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that speaks a lot, honestly. Um, the psychologist part for me, um, you know, that's that's their job to, right. and so they say that there's no question that he's going to rape again. It's just when. Um, so in early July of 2008, another victim of Richard Troy Gilmore came forward to testify to the parole board and state why Gilmore should not be released. Colleen Kelly was a victim of Gilmore's in 1980. After police arrested Gilmore for the rape of Tiffany Edens, Gilmore actually confessed to the rape of Colleen Kelly, but it was already out of the statute of limitations, so she couldn't testify against him. On October 27, 1980, Colleen Kelly and a friend made their way back to the Kelly household after school. The two friends decided that they were going to bake a cake for Colleen's mom, Joanne, since it was her birthday. After they baked the cake, Colleen's friend went home. 9.45 p.m. comes and Joanne has to go pick up Colleen's older sister from work. With Colleen's dad working midnights, this left Colleen alone at home. This wasn't a huge deal because Colleen often stayed home alone when her mother and her father uh, and sister were going to go to work or run other errands. You know, she was just, she was okay to be left home alone. They didn't see any danger in that. So, you know, if her mom had to run to the store or if her dad was working or whatever, she would be left alone and that was fine. Um, Colleen heard a noise at the front door, but it didn't faze her. Suddenly, a strange man in running shorts and a gray hoodie with a nylon stocking over his face climbs through one of the unlocked windows. The man grabbed Colleen and put his hand over her mouth. Colleen Colleen screamed anyways, but the man began to hit her and threatened to hurt her worse if she didn't stop screaming. The man rolled Colleen to her back and undressed her and himself. Colleen tried her best to stop the man from raping her. She crossed her legs as tight as she could, and he punched her in the stomach. She told him that her mom was on her way home and that she would be there any minute. The man told Colleen that he would rape her mother, too. Around 10 p.m., Joanne returned from picking up her oldest daughter from work. The man was still in the house but fled just before Colleen's mother opened the front door. Her mother called the police immediately after seeing what kind of state Colleen was in. The police escorted Colleen to a lo- local rape crisis center so that she could be examined and search for any evidence that could possibly lead investigators to her tracker. After police arrested... To her what? Her attacker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he was tracking these ladies, though.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely was. After police... arrested Richard Troy Gilmore for the rape of Tiffany Edens, they contacted Colleen Kelly and asked her if she would come down to the police station to try to pick her attacker from a lineup. This was after Gilmore had confessed to raping Colleen, but the police wanted to corroborate his confession. If Colleen could identify Gilmore, she would be an asset to the prosecuting team as she would be allowed to testify since he um, confessed to the rape Although Colleen hadn't been able to see her attacker because he covered his face with a nylon stocking, she felt confident that she could remember his voice. Each man in the lineup had to recite the nursery rhyme, Mary Had a Little Lamb. As soon as Richard Troy Gilmore spoke, Colleen knew it was him and positively identified him as her attacker. As July of 2008 went on, The fourth victim of Gilmore spoke up and shared her story so that maybe she could also help persuade the parole board to not let Richard Troy Gilmore out of prison. Like many other cases, Renee Smith's was yet again too old to prosecute. On December 11, 1980, 17-year-old Renee Smith was washing dishes in the kitchen while her boyfriend went to play basketball with some friends. She finished cleaning in the kitchen and went to tidy up in the master bedroom. She thought she heard a noise from the spare bedroom, but didn't go in to inspect what it was. As Renee passed the doorway, a man grabbed her. He covered her mouth and knocked her onto the bed and demanded that she roll onto her back. He didn't come with a covered face, but instead kept the lights off and covered Renee's face with a blanket. The man bound her hands with a sock that he had brought with him, but left fairly fast. She was able to break loose from the sock and grab the gun, that her boyfriend kept under the bed. She called the police at 6.20 p.m. The police force brought in their canine unit, and the dogs were able to track the man scent six blocks until it stopped. The parole board continued to think about their decision to let serial rapist Richard Troy Gilmore go free, but they wouldn't make their decision yet, at least not until another victim came forward to tell their story. This victim chose to remain anonymous. What
0: the hell? Why did they need so many victims? I don't know. I mean,
1: I know. I, you would think that one would be enough for we, them to not let him out.
0: We aren't lawyers, but we know some lawyers, and we need to reach out and figure some stuff out, and I maybe do. have a guess because it's like when it comes to these laws and whatnot. Like I said last week, we need like criminal justice reform and prison reform and all that, but still,
1: right? <sighs> yeah, it's victims. frustrating.
0: Yeah,
1: it is. A 22 year old legal secretary. First of all, I'm 22 years two years old, and I'm a legal secretary. Anyways. Woo-hoo. was <laughs> was making uh dinner after No,
0: no, no. Shout out your firm.
1: Oh, shout out to my firm, uh Martin Wheeler and Vincent. They are the coolest. Uh I am Andrew's legal assistant and he's pretty cool. So, I'm going to reach out to him and ask him some some legal questions and get back to you guys. And who
0: else is about to be a lawyer? Martel? <laughs> yeah him and my brother yes yeah
1: Kyle. so we have all kinds of connections to the law <laughs> and marie. Will you know marie. oh
0: yeah yeah marie shout out to them
1: go yes ahead. um she was a 22 year old legal secretary was home making dinner after a long day of work she had two other roommates who filtered in and out of the house as they were all on different schedules around 8 p.m the victim thought that she saw one of her roommates go down the hall she walked down the hall and around the corner, only to find an unknown male with pantyhose over his head. He grabbed her by the throat and demanded that she give him some money. Only having three dollars on her, she was unable to produce to the hatchet-wielding stranger. He had a hatchet? Yes. Oh, and my yeah. So there was. I think this case and one other, one other case, he brought a hatchet. Um. But and then in all the other cases, he didn't. But what I'm, I. I don't know. I kind of have trouble with this. Like when I when it says he had pantyhose over his face, mm-hmm. you know, I think of pantyhose as not being that like kind of not transparent but translucent. They're not opaque at
0: yeah. all. It's probably because the face is smashed.
1: That's true. I guess yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's different from the him just not having anything. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it. I guess it's doing the job since they they couldn't really find him at first. Uh, the strange man began to punch the victim in the face over and over. He eventually tore off her shirt and ripped open her pants. He was unable to penetrate. I know, again.
0: <laughs> I know you don't know why. I don't know. But this is two different times. I know. He's unable I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is. And I'm not trying to be nasty or anything here, but it makes me wonder. Like, was he not able to get turned on? Right, or were they fighting back so hard, or right. was it sub some like subconscious psychological thing that he couldn't perform, so he felt like he needed to throw himself on these women right. because he had performance issues. Yeah, and I, I know, don't know I
1: know what you're saying, and I, and I too found that kind of strange when I read that. That's this is the second occasion that this has happened, but I honestly have no idea. I searched and searched and could not find yeah. why he was not able to penetrate. Um. He un, after he was unable to penetrate, his he got up and climbed off of her for a split second. And at that time, the 22 year old victim ran out the front door into her neighbor's house for help. Um, in 1986, the police asked this victim to go through photos of possible suspects in her attack, and she was able to pick out Richard Troy Gilmore solely based on his build because she didn't have a great look at his face.
0: Yeah So that just that just kind of speaks to how traumatic. These experiences are sexual assaults of all sort. Um, that memory, like, never leaves your, your brain. Right, like so, she knew
1: yeah. what he looked, his build looked just like. Just his
0: frame. She didn't need a face. She just needed to know what his build was and she could identify him.
1: Right, and that, and that is... I know that at the time, I'm sure she was not, like, jotting down in her mind just, like, things about him that she could remember, but then when they asked her to recall that night, then she, like... Pointed him out with no problem at all. all right. um, two more victims came forward on July 30th, 2008. However, one story didn't come straight from the victim but from her brother. The first victim, 16 year old Alyssa Warner, was raped by Richard Troy Gilmore on March 2nd, 1980, in the backyard of her boyfriend's house. Her and her boyfriend had been at a nearby neighbor's house drinking beer when they got into an argument. Alyssa's boyfriend stormed off to his house, but she followed him. Alyssa knocked on his window, but she never got an answer from her boyfriend. So she sat down in his front yard for 45 minutes until she decided that she should go back to her nearby friend's house instead of walking home in fear that she would get raped on such a long walk home. Oh
0: my gosh.
1: Yeah, so she she lived very far away, so she decided she would uh, just go back to her friend's house so she wouldn't risk being raped on her on her walk home.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow.
1: She was immediately grabbed by her attacker and punched in the eye. He told her that if she screamed, he would kill her. A car passed by, but the attacker, but the attacker. The attacker shoved okay,
0: Medea. <laughs> attacked her. <Attacks> her?
1: <laughs> But the attacker shoved Alyssa to the ground. Her attacker lifted up Alyssa's shirt and covered her face with it. He dragged her back to her boyfriend's yard and removed all of her clothes except for her shirt. He raped her. After the attacker got up, he hit Alyssa in the face and kicked her in the stomach and then told her to count to 100 before she got up and took her shirt off or he would take one of her breasts as a souvenir. Yeah, so he, I just feel like every single story gets more, like, hatchet, and then he's, like, threatening to cut this woman's boob off. Yeah,
0: let you know how sick this dude is.
1: Right, yeah, and it just keeps on, it just keeps on going. Um, Her mother, her boyfriend's mother called the rape crisis line, and the police were called as well. Alyssa's (gasps) mother and her mother's boyfriend came to pick Alyssa, Alyssa up to take her to the hospital for a rape examination. The entire ride there, her Brought her, the, her mother's boyfriend was telling Alyssa that it was her fault that she got raped and she was being a tease
0: I don't know this man but I'm about to slander this man so if he is calling her a tease yep and that it was her fault that she got raped yep bro were you looking at your girlfriend's daughter in a sexual way mm-hmm. because that's what makes me that's, yeah that makes me think mm-hmm that she's a tease because he probably saw her walking around the house just being a normal teenage girl and maybe some shorts and a T-shirt. And he's like, oh, she looks good. She's a tease, though, because then the, I don't, you know what? I
1: know, that made me very upset. F that made me. Mm-hmm, Honestly. So the second victim that came forward, well, it was the victim's brother. Uh, Mike Jacobs, brother of Patricia Hinkle told his sister's story. Patricia had commit a, committed suicide at age 33, so she was not there to tell her story.
0: <gasps> See? Yep. See? Mm-hmm. That's
1: that mm. On January 14th, 1981, Patricia was cleaning her brother Mike's house around 8.30 p.m. Patricia heard the doorbell ring. When she opened the door, no one was there. The doorbell rang again, this time when Patricia looked outside again. A man grabbed her by the neck and threw her to the ground. The man dragged her around the side of the house, pulled her shirt over her face, and raped her. One, once the man left, Patricia called her parents' house and got through to her brother Mike and had told him what had happened. Um, I found no evidence that they went to the police. Uh, I don't think that they did um, because Patricia was too embarrassed to tell her mother.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: she didn't want her mom to be stressed out about uh, what had happened to her. Um, and I I get it that you don't want... it's. I feel like it would be embarrassing. I mean, like that's what you think it would be embarrassing, but it's not like you should definitely tell somebody you should get the police involved. That's, that's how I feel. But I'm like,
0: and there's also so many instances where people just aren't believed.
1: Right. 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 Or
0: like, um, the mom's boyfriend said on the other girl that she deserved it or she was being a Right. Yeah. But there's so many times where women don't, Step up and speak up because they're automatically silenced. This is why because they dress a certain way or because they act a certain way, right? Or because so and so gets girls all the time. So why would he need to rape you?
1: Right. Yeah. Which has
0: nothing to do with anything. No. Completely irrelevant arguments. Mm -hmm.
1: No, and I get it because as like I wasn't raped, but I was sexually assaulted when I was in the sixth grade, and um I didn't want to tell my mom. I really didn't like I was I was embarrassed I really was like I was embarrassed to tell my mom and so after we told her or after I told her we kind of decided you know like the route that we were gonna take but I felt better after that I did um, and so I'm glad that I told her um, you know I I couldn't have done it on my own so I think that you should if something like this happens find somebody find that someone that you can tell Um, and that you can, you know, move forward with.
0: Yeah, I I have been very fortunate, and I've had this conversation with my brother and a couple other men in my life that I've been very fortunate to never have been in any situation like that when it comes to sexual assault or rape, and sometimes I feel like I stay quiet because I haven't experienced it, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter because if, if these ladies choose not to use their voice for what happened to them, they still need people to step up and use their voice for them. Right, right. So um, even if it hasn't happened to you, I encourage you to um, be an advocate f- for those type of victims and be an ally. Because I can only imagine how hard it is and how traumatic it is. Um, speaking of the victims, <clears throat> there was just a little bit more about Tiffany Edens, Um, we spoke a little bit about her life um, after what happened to her. She was an honor student and talented dancer, but became a drug and alcohol addicted teen. Um, She got her life back on track. So in 2007, when um, the parole board approved releasing Gilmore without even knowing her, her and her parents took it upon themselves to fight it. And she became like a media darling. You could see her all over the news, everywhere. But like I said, when you have a traumatic situation that happens in your life and it keeps replaying over and over and over again, that brings even more trauma. So um, she started hearing voices. She started having night terrors. She was diagnosed with anxiety and PTSD. She was prescribed everything from Ambien to Xanax. Xanax. (laughs) Xanax. them zannies (laughs) (laughs) um in 2008 after the parole board um reversed its decision to release gilmore um tiffany's husband's income dried up and as a way to cope with that she started taking more pills but she she charged forward with the uh landmark legislation named in her honor The Tiffany Edens bill passed um, the Oregon legislature in 2009, eliminating the statute of limitations for first-degree sex crimes in which there is DNA evidence. So this is um, an important factor when it comes to using your voice. And like I said, this doesn't solely fall on the victims. This should not always fall on the victims. There should be people that um, fight this fight for them. And I applaud Tiffany for doing what she had to do even while battling her addiction she had some important legislature passed and um she is an important part of protecting other victims almost said young girls but i think we need to normalize that rape victims are not just girls oh
1: yeah and i think and yeah it it drives me nuts when i just feel like boys don't they it's not masculine Mm -hmm. to be raped or whatever you know what i mean like they're not going to come out and say it because they feel like that they're that's just not but i mean a, a lot of rape victims are men they yeah. really are and and they don't disclose and i get why i totally do and we need to you know not we just need to normalize that, that they're not any yeah. less masculine because something like this happened to them that's not their fault
0: this is a uh, unrelated To um, the jogger rapists And to these victims But if you think about like For example the world of hip hop And um, There are so many rappers Who in interviews casually say That they lost their virginity when they were 10 11, 12, 13, 14 That's rape To much older women And it is rape Number one it's rape And even on the women So I watch, well I used to listen to um, Crap Angela Yee's podcast lip service and it's her and sometimes three or four other women who um you know work in uh, the music industry um some of them are uh, strippers some of them are dancers um it doesn't matter anyway the rapper the baby was on there and I can't remember what age he said he was but he said that he lost his virginity at a certain age and it was young. I want to say fourteen. Jeez. And and I like Angela Yee and I like her podcast, but none of them sympathized with him at all. They were just asking questions. They kind of laughed at him. Oh, uh Yeah, and none of them acknowledged that it was rape, which I was kind of taken aback because Angela Yee. Um, speaks on women's rights a lot and she speaks on believing women and things like that and it's like homegirl if you're going to say that about women
1: okay i found it
0: oh you did
1: he said i lost my virginity at four or five years old oh
0: my gosh so i said 14 so yeah they i'll put in a clip i'll find the clip and put in the clip of how they reacted if, bam, bam, if, bam, if that's you, losing your virginity then i lost my virginity when i was like Four, five years old. You know what? You was hunting at four or five? Yeah, yeah. What? On what? Like, never mind. The I babysitter? Ain't speak on it. <laughs> the babysitter? <laughs> no, no, like, animal. It. <laughs> but, no. The babysitter. like, I Nah, hell. Fuck, no. I, ain't. I on. ain't no freak. I ain't I no freak, though. Stuff alligators. Like, oh, no, so I uh, uh, animals. But, like, like, I remember shit, like, I got, like, two older brothers and shit. They used to come to the crib. Like, my mama worked two jobs. she got get off a job and go work in another job. She wouldn't even be home. Mm. I mean, my brothers would come straight home from school. We little-ass boys. You know what I mean? uh, Yeah, they had this little girl in there. They had a girl, not a little girl. They was grown. My brother was the kid. My oldest brother was a kid. So I'm a kid kid. Right. Like, I'm literally, like, five years old. You literally did baby. Did yeah, baby. for real, for real. <laughs> I'm, like, five years old. And, yeah, you know. They ended you know, up doing whatever they was doing. I was, you know, I was copying off them niggas. You ain't know what h- you was doing. That's crazy. Legs. But um it just wasn't okay. That
1: seriously makes my heart hurt so bad.
0: Yeah, and then there's another rapper who I don't particularly care for, but his name is Boozy. Uh used to be Lil Boozy, Boozy Badass, whatever you want to call him. He recently said that he was hiring a sex worker to perform oral sex on his I keep saying 14 14 year old son um because he wanted him to see what it was like he wanted him to become a man and he wanted to keep his son from being gay get out of here so I was like man f that that's bs and I still think it's bs but oh yeah then he also revealed that the same thing happened to him when he was that age so he probably thought it was... So it's a cycle. Right. And you have some of these men who think it's like a rite of passage. Like, yeah, I got this older woman when I was a teenager, da-da-da-da-da. And then you have the other ones who look at it now and they realize how harmful and damaging it was, but they feel like no one wants to hear their voice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's pretty sad. Um, we should definitely speak up for the men as well. Um, sorry I went on a tangent here, but back to Tiffany Edens. Um, she had that... Legislation passed in 2009, but um, she still had some troubles. She got two DUIs after that for driving high on pills, and um, mm. she they, they said she was too emotionally distraught to testify at Gilmore's 2010 parole hearing, but really she was just um, intoxicated.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, sorry, I'm kind of reading here. I didn't keep my notes the way i should have she started buying drugs on the street she had oxy morphine percocet cocaine and her first husband died suddenly at the age of 41 and then she started dabbling in heroin
1: oh goodness
0: yeah her father died in 2013 and he was one of her biggest supporters and Mm -hmm. um Lobbied on her behalf to improve the parole process for victims, and that made the way from heroin to meth. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And basically, the cycle of self destruction continued, and they called it an avalanche. It was first a snowball of self destruction, Mm -hmm. it picked up speed and became an avalanche. But there's good news. Okay, good. In 2014, she was living on a 70 acre compound that was a haven for drug addicted criminals now i don't know if she's a criminal i guess because she had duis you know maybe she had to do this as a part of a plea deal or whatever but um she got clean yay um since then it says she's been clean and sober for nearly 18 months and she is enjoying the sim- enjoying the simple routine of an office job. She lives in a women's addiction recovery home and is an alcoholic anonymous sponsor. Um, she said she really wanted to use her voice to encourage, share hope, and share strength that was so freely given to her. And she said that most of the people she meets in recovery are survivors of rape or sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, she referred to them as the walking dead because a part of their soul was murdered and broken and they got nothing, no limelight, no newspaper articles, no legislative bills named after them, no validation, mm-hmm. no justice. So she realizes even though she had a terrible experience and a very hard life that she actually was one of the ones who made it. Um good for her. Yeah. Good for her. And I did not um mark down the article for this but I will find it and I'll put it in the description of our episode but I believe she also sparked a um a movement for testing rape kits because it Ooh. is a excuse me it is an issue all over our nation.
1: Oh yeah, for um, sure. of
0: untested rape kits. There's a documentary on HBO a year or two ago about um rape victims and the lack of testing on their Rape kits and there was like an old beat up factory building or whatever that just had hundreds, Mm -hmm. maybe even thousands of just sitting there, just sitting there, and this building was like abandoned. Yeah. So who knows that rats have been running all over them? If it's been contaminated, yeah. So that's another fight um, that I believe that she is working on, and there are so many other people who are paying attention to this and trying to make the proper steps to remedying the situation but um yeah I think that's what we have for today and like we said um if you have it in you try to be a voice for those for sure um who have gone through experiences like this because their lives have been changed forever and it's not just women it's men as well and I won't get on my soapbox but there is a tremendous amount of violence against trans people, especially yes. black trans people, and a lot of that is sexual violence that ends with murder. So that is another thing to keep your eye on and do your research on and become a voice for them as well because trans lives matter and they deserve rights too. Um,
1: before we go, there's a few things I'd like to say. Um, so back to the... the how Pinky said, you know, be a voice for someone, um, you know, like victims deserve the right to not talk about what they went through and, you know, not go to uh, court and all that kind of stuff about the things that they went through. But, and, and that's back to my sexual assault. We didn't go forward with it because my, my mom talked to um, a police officer here in Ashland and told him the situation. And she talked to a lawyer and told him the situation. And they basically both said that, um, the outcome of it wouldn't be, uh, great enough for what pain that I would endure because it was Mm -hmm. a, he said, she said type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so that there was absolutely, I mean, there was no guarantee that he would be found guilty. Um, and so that, that's, I think that we just need a reform on that, um. That kind of bothers me. That that's the reason that we didn't go through it at the time. Of course, I was okay with it, but now I I should I know that I should have went through with it just in case there were other victims that he you know sexually assaulted. Um, but so for now, in October of two thousand eight, the parole board voted unanimously that Richard Troy Gilmore should not be paroled. Um, so he was out of parole chances. They just like completely did away with it. So the victims that spoke, um, they really did a great job in keeping a perpetrator behind bars. Um, in 2016, the parole board decided that they would not give him any more parole hearings at all and um, that he would be released back into society on January 1st, 2023, and not one day sooner. So, in 2023, he'll be out, but not until then. Uh, That's the end of his sentence.
0: I just want to say I didn't expect you to talk about that. (laughs) So, (laughs) I'm I'm proud of you, and um, I'm glad you did. Yeah. And when y'all hear this, y'all should give her a round of applause, because it's not easy to talk about, and like I said, I had no idea she was going to say that today. So. Yeah. Um, Look at this content we're giving you.
1: I know, right? Golly. Yeah. You guys are getting into my personal life. You're welcome. It's only because it's Pinky's birthday. Ha ha. Um, 31. <laughs> yeah, she's 31, isn't she old?
0: <laughs> I have a hat on right now because my gray hairs are flourishing.
1: <laughs> um. So, next week, do we have anything, or are we going to pick... Uh, Later.
0: I I think we'll pick... um, We'll let the fans do it next time. fans.
1: The fans. Jesus. Only fans. The
0: supporters. (laughs) Pinky has an only fans. (laughs) No, I don't. No, I don't. Um, (laughs) We'll do a poll like the next time around maybe, but we will figure (laughs) something out because, like I said, Carly did a really good job of finding the research, but once we did the fans slash supporter poll to get feedback and everyone... Well, not everyone, but a lot of people pick the jogger rapist. Yeah, I was like, I can't find anything. I no. thought we were
1: gonna do BTK
0: for sure
1: because he's like more well known. I feel uh-huh. like,
0: yeah. A uh, uh, a couple of people told me to save BTK BTK. Yeah. For a special occasion, but since since he was so well known and since yeah. it's such yeah. a crazy story.
1: Oh, and we're gonna have a special uh for like our Halloween episode too, yeah. a spooky thing so yeah stay tuned for that but we'll put a poll up um and y'all can pick who what you want to hear next so -hmm, mm -hmm,
0: mm -hmm. okay I think oh one thing um I've had two people ask me recently about holla baby baby (laughs) so I'm going to keep saying that but I'll let y'all know when Carly was little I think she was with her mom reading a Dora book I was yes and um, Dora the Explorer, Spanish-speaking little girl, um, <laughs> it said, hola, baby flamingo. <laughs> and Carly, being the uh, hip-hop connoisseur that she is <laughs> at whatever age she was, she said, holla, baby flamingo. <laughs> so that's something that we've kept saying for years and years and years. So yeah. that's not going to stop. Yeah. Um, so with that, holla, baby flamingo. hola